the VO Meter, measuring your voiceover progress. Whether you're a veteran voice actor, just starting out, or don't even know how to set a level, we're here to help you avoid the pitfalls along your voiceover path to success. The VO Meter is brought to you by Voice Actor Websites, Voice123, Studio Bricks, Global Voice Acting Academy, JMC Demos, and Sennheiser. The Video Meter is produced in part using Source Connect, made by source-elements.com. And now, your hosts, Paul Stefano and Sean Daly. Hi, everybody, and welcome to episode 100 of the Video Meter. Measuring your voice over progress. So like I said, we are very excited to announce that this is our 100th episode. Uh, Paul, honestly, I never thought we would get to this point. What about you? Yeah, each one seems like it's taking longer than the last. <laughs> no. Oh, no. It's been a great ride. It is kind of unbelievable. It's been 100 episodes and almost seven years now, which is just I absurd. Know. We crossed over 100,000 downloads over last spring. It's just unbelievable. Well, thank you, everyone, for listening. You're the reason why we do it. I know it sounds very cliche, but just knowing that people benefit from what we're doing gives us the incentive to do it. Yeah, I hear from people, not all the time, but fairly frequently, at least every couple of months, uh, sending me a comment or talking about something they heard uh, or uh, saying how they liked it at a conference or event. So it's really cool to, to hear that feedback. I just got a comment last week from a fellow named Derek Dysert who's a friend of the show, he's, I think he's commented before, he sent me a message saying, you know, some of your ads are being trampled over by the uh, the ads within your host. And I said, yeah, we've heard that before. Uh, I, I'm, I can fix it. I'm not sure I really want to. I'll look into it. And commented, hell, I made the exact same comment to George and Dan about VOBS a couple of months ago because I first noticed it listening to their show. I don't often listen back to our show live on the hosting service because I edit it and produce it. But I did notice this exact same thing on Dan and George's show and, and pointed out, and I thank Derek for pointing it out to us. And we'll see what we can do, Derek. Sounds awesome. So to celebrate our 100th episode, we are talking with the lovely and talented, very intelligent, very charming Nadia Marshall. And she is a, a very versatile voice actress who is also promoting her lead generation blueprint because that's an area where a lot of us can struggle with, right? The marketing and finding potential clients to solicit our voiceover services too. So we'll be talking with her in just a few minutes. And Nadia is also a professional singer, so we'll talk to her about the differences between the singing career versus VO and how there might be some cross-section cross between the two. But before that, it's time for... VoiceOver Extra brings you the VO Meter Reference Levels. Uh, seriously, guys, that's the best you could come up with? Hey, it's your show. So, Sean, what's been going on in your VO world? Well, uh, professional VO stuff, we'll start with that. So uh, one thing that I wanted to point out is that Global Voice Acting Academy is actually doing a free donation-based webinar uh, tomorrow, which is August 24th at time of recording, and it is for the state of AI and VO. So we're going to be partnering with NAVA, the National Association of Voice Actors, and it's going to be a little panel with David Toback, 
Tim Friedlander, uh, Zeke Alton, and Bev Standing. These are all industry players who have had a lot of personal experience trying to learn more about AI and some of its uh, the legal recourses that might be involved when trying to navigate some of these projects. So I highly recommend if this is a topic that you are interested in or worried about that you that you register for the event you can find uh, if you're on our mailing list you probably got an email about that but um, make sure you register because then that is how you will get a access to the recording of the event it is a free event but we suggest a donation of 39 dollars and all of those proceeds will be split between Global Voice Acting Academy and NAVA. So, highly recommend you do that. If you are a GVA member, you don't have to pay anything because you'll get access to the recording as part of your membership. But, again, if whether you're a member or not, I highly recommend you attend this because it's definitely on everyone's minds right now. And... And this way you can just be a little bit more informed about what the potential issues are and how, like I said, you might navigate them. So that's my obligatory GVA promotion, uh, just trying to help out my cohorts there. But for me, um, I've just been auditioning like crazy. Uh, I did a few e-learning projects this week, and I wanted to do a shout-out to one of my oldest clients, VJ, because I realized that, much like the podcast, we've almost been working together for seven years. <laughs> I just wow. wanted to say thank you for all of the, the recurring, or excuse me, for all the recurring work. So that's the professional stuff. Personal stuff, um, my shoulder exploded in a pretty bad accident a couple weeks ago. So I know I um, sound chipper and happy now, but it was uh, touch and go for a moment there. Anyways, backing up, two weeks ago, my in-laws came up with a new washer and dryer for us because our old one was just causing no end of problems. Like it would, it would uh, either clothes got caught in the agitator or it would just, things would get balled up into a corner of the machine. It would just be bouncing all around the laundry room and we were just sick of it. So the in-laws come up with the, the, new, the new units and we're removing the old one and we're pulling it out on a dolly and there's like a little step to get out of the house onto the driveway. And unfortunately, when it cleared the step, the, a wheel on the dolly broke and it just kind of toppled and turned on top of me and it cut deep into my shoulder and I just, like, I was just in survival mode at the moment, so I was just trying to, like, get this huge machine off me and onto the ground and then I realized, like, oh, my shoulder is, is very red and gory right now. We need to go to the ER. <laughs> so, um, so 32 stitches later and luckily, no muscle damage no nerve damage, um, and I can still move my hands and my arms and, and all that stuff, uh, and the stitches should be coming out in a couple of days. So I, I have a gnarly scar that looks like a question mark or a scorpion, but other than that, I'm okay. <laughs> yeah, I <laughs> saw a picture on Facebook, and it looked terrifying. It looked like, like Frankenstein's monster. It looked like your arm had been sewn on from spare parts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a little bit. Yeah, it's it's probably one of the worst looking injuries I've ever had. But believe it or not, it wasn't the most painful. <laughs> wow, that's crazy. Yeah, you got to be careful with moving heavy machinery, especially when you're starting to get a little bit older. I mean, not that you, that same thing probably. Sorry, I'm pushing forty. You can say that it's okay. <laughs> I mean, that no, but I mean, it was a big ego. Years ago. And honestly, like, I think it was a big wake-up call for her parents, too, because, I mean, they're very, like, very independent and, like, and they're constantly doing home projects like this. So it was just kind of a reminder for all of us to be a little bit more cautious going forward. Yeah. <laughs> and always check your equipment. <laughs> I, I came to that realization when I was moving all my, uh, all my booth stuff together because I was basically 
around the same age as you when I started doing voiceover, the, the age you are now. And I moved all all the several iterations of my booth in and out of my house, up the flights of stairs by myself, mm-hmm. until the last time when I got rid of my whisper room and I realized I, I can't do this anymore because I was, what, 40 Now, I remember seeing you in old. New York that one time years ago, just like dead on your feet for moving those booths up and down those apartments. Yeah. <laughs> Good God. So once I hit 45 or 46, I realized I needed some help. So to get my whisper room out of the house, I hired some local college kids, some strapping young lads that were 19 and 20, and they did it for me. And I just said, hey, put that here and move that over there. And that was much better. I can tell you, because I mean, I eventually had, I just paid, I hired some help to to get rid of the the washer unit. And I was just like, wow, that was a lot cheaper than the medical bills are. <laughs> so, it's amazing how that works. Uh, learn, yeah, learn from my experience. All right, but enough about my wo- shoulder woes. What is going on in your VO world? Well, to stick with the personal side of things, big week for me, because my wife and I are taking my daughter to her freshman year in college on Friday. So... She's she's uh, 18, out of the nest. When I started doing this, she was, let's see, 11 or 12. So it's kind of amazing that it's come that far. I can't believe we've gotten here. So that's going to be a big step. And then school starts for the other two on Monday. So big week personally and uh, probably a lot of tears on Friday too. Nice. Well, congratulations. That's huge. Yeah, we're pretty excited. Uh, Unfortunately, she's starting to be an actor, even though against Dad's best (laughs) advice, uh, she chose to to I was about to say, has she learned nothing from watching you? (laughs) I I think what she might have learned is to get some actual training. (laughs) Well, that's good, honestly. Because she's been doing voiceover with no training at all for almost eight years now, just like me, or maybe seven years. So some actual theatrical training on stage would, would do her some good, or it will do anybody some good. And hopefully she'll start off on the right foot when she dips her toe in the professional side of things after college. Yeah, I mean, you've heard us talk about this on the podcast before. It's like learning any new skill or like learning a language. It's going to be months to a couple years before you have any kind of proficiency. So the earlier you start, the better. Yeah, so we've been getting ready for that. We've been talking about if she wants to bring any equipment with her to try and do voiceover. So she's going to a specialty uh, acting conservatory. And they do have all the facilities she could possibly need for doing voiceover. So I think we're just going to go with, if you get a job, just go to one of the studios at school and and pull it off there and not worry about bringing a USB mic or any sort Mm -hmm. of soundproofing stuff like we do when we go traveling, you know, for ourselves. So hopefully she'll be okay with that. That's great. You can use, (laughs) you can use the university studio. That's handy. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. We'll see if that happens. So that's on the personal side. On the professional side, I've been doing a lot of e-learning stuff as well. And something you touched on about one of your longest clients made me think about this job I just did. So I had a Source Connect session just an hour ago or an hour and a half ago with a client who's given me a job, pretty much a job per month over the last year. And it's a studio that I first contacted in, let's see, 2018, I want to say. They're actually the reason I got Source Connect because, as we used to tell people, or you'll still hear advice from people saying, you don't really need to sign up for something like Source Connect or IPDTL until you need it. So basically when a client asks you to have it. But way back in 2017 or 18, I contacted the studio and they said, we'd love to work with you, but one of the requirements is you have to have Source Connect because when we have a session, we want you to, we want to know you're ready and we can just hire you that day or the next day. And that's exactly what happened, except... It took almost four years for me to actually get a job from them. 
And it just goes to show that the, the preparation and the, the marketing and follow-up you do with people really matters because now, uh, let's see, six years later, I'm getting a job from them almost every month, and it's been great. But you have to do that prep work ahead of time and be sure you're ready to do the work when needed. Absolutely. Great success story. And then I'm also doing some live announcing. So as many of you know, I've been doing a lot of college sports announcing, and that has just started. So I did my first volleyball match for the University of Maryland last Saturday. Uh, I'll be doing another one on Labor Day, uh, as well as working for the Naval Academy for their volleyball team. And uh, yeah, there's, there's, there'll be no end in sight to the college sports and me vomiting all over social media about it over the next eight to nine months. So <laughs> look out for that. Again? <laughs> and then I produced I a thought we of... were done with the summer season. <laughs> summer, there really isn't summer season except for that one lacrosse league I did. So all the colleges are off mm-hmm. for the most part. So that's, that's what's ramping up now. And then on the audiobook gotcha. front, I just had a book come out that I narrated myself for the first time in a while. It's called Deceived by Gene Poro. That's J-E-A-N. P-O-R-R-O. You can find that on Audible or wherever fine audiobooks are sold. It's a murder mystery that takes place in New England, ironically. So so listen to that if you like. Hmm. And then uh, I've produced several audiobooks for Twin Flame Studios. One that just came out, and that book is called The Carry-On Imperative, a memoir of travel, reinvention, and giving back by Robin Pascoe. And this is a really cool book because Robin was a bit of a celebrity author in Canada, well, really, across the world, internationally. And it's all about how she uh, took her career and reinvented herself as an expat while traveling around the world with her husband as a diplomat. So, really cool book, The Carry-On Imperative by Robin Pascoe. So that's it for VO Meter reference levels. We'll get to our interview with Nadia Marshall after... Questionable Gear Purchase. So... Believe it or not, no new questionable gear purchases this month. I've been trying to be real good about that. But one thing I've been curious about is, and I used to be a very large proponent of this as well, but how often are people using an iPad or a tablet in their booth these days? I'm really curious because I used to do it all the time before, or mainly as a script reader, before I got a second monitor in my booth. And now I'm finding that, Like, for the last several months, it just doesn't spend any time in the booth with me, the iPad. So now I'm actually kind of consciously forcing myself to find new ways to use this. Like, some some things that I've done, I've hooked up. Um, If you plug it in directly to your computer, you can use it as an additional camera for if you're doing a directed sessions. I've been doing that for me and and Rachel when she's doing her her VO training for uh, GVAA. And then other than that, I've actually been today I was experimenting going back to using it as a script and then just having my DAW on my main uh, on my dual monitor. And that one was actually really nice. I find that I'm like um, for someone who's a little uh, <laughs> has struggles with attention sometimes. Um, it was kind of nice to have the script on like a single surface or like a unitasker you know so i'm not like looking at other tabs or going to social media or losing concentration in other ways so so that was nice i I feel like and and just the way that i the way that the monitors are positioned in my booth right now i feel like i stand up a little bit taller and i gesticulate a little bit broader when i look off the tablet so i might keep doing that going forward 
It's interesting you say that. I've been thinking about the same thing. I do right now use an iPad exclusively for script reading. So I have a monitor that is actually too low to really see because of the way my booth is set up. I use this portable like uh, computer cart. So the monitor is below my chest. So I really only glance down to make sure the DAW is running. And that's really all I use it for. And then I read all the scripts off of an iPad that sits on an uh, articulating mm. arm that I drilled into the top of this cart. And that's all I used it for. But I've been thinking about reconfiguring as well because I got some requests for dubbing that I couldn't really pull off in here the way I have things set up. I need a monitor mm. at eye level or maybe even two. And the reason I didn't is because I was hesitant to drill anything into the studio bricks. I still am to an extent, but I did a couple of, well, almost a year ago now, I drilled a mic mount into the, the, the roof of the studio bricks. I reached out to, I think it was Miguel, and asked them if that would do any damage. And they said, no, just use screws that are a certain length. And I forgot what they said, but um, I can go back and find mm -hmm, that email. Mm -hmm. So I put the mic mount into the into the, the roof, and nothing's happened. So I think I'm okay after almost a year. So I was thinking about doing the same thing. Do you think you could use, or have you tried any, like, super strong adhesives you think it might work? For a monitor? Or for the mount, and then you could put the monitor on the mount. Uh, I don't think that's a good idea. I think it would probably fall down eventually. <laughs> probably not. You might just get a terrible tear out of your wall. <laughs> yeah, that's the, that's the one thing I want to avoid. So I'm thinking it's about putting this another uh, Visa mount mounted into the ceiling of the of mm. the studio bricks, right where I have the microphone mount, and all should be well. And then I would have a monitor at eye level that I could actually use because of the um, same thing you were saying, that I don't think I need the iPad if I have a monitor that's big enough right in front of my face. But... Yeah, it's an interesting. It's an interesting conundrum. I wonder how people are dealing with that. Mm -hmm. And like I said, it's like there are benefits to both, right? Like there are so many benefits to having a dual monitor set up in your booth because it really it doubles your efficiency and it really helps. Like depending on your process, there's nothing wrong with like having an external computer and then starting that and then walking in the booth, doing all your stuff, and then walking out and editing. There can be, that can really help compartmentalize your process. So you're really focused on just performing and then just editing. That's but what I do now, like yeah. I said, it can be, yeah, like it can be really helpful just to speed up your time to be able to edit in the booth, right? If, if like something's really uh, has a tight deadline, for example. But again, so now as you guys can see, like, I'm trying to reintegrate this thing, and if I can't justify the purchase, then maybe I'll sell it or, or put it towards some other upgrades. So uh, so I'd love to hear from you guys in the comments or, or send us some audio. How are you using a tablet, or are you using a tablet in your, uh, in your VO booth setups? Yeah, I know what you mean. For me, it feels like a waste right now because literally all I use it for is a script reader, and I could you could use anything really for that. So... And you this. just have the base iPad. I have an iPad Pro, so I feel like I really overbought. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I do have the keyboard, though. And sometimes it comes in handy to, to, to do stuff on the road. I did use it for the lacrosse season. I would bring it with me and then type in the lineups into the, into the uh, iPad on the keyboard, the touch keyboard, and that was helpful. So that was the one other time I used it other than just as a paperweight script reader. Let's see. So that's pretty much my questionable gear purchases or trying to make them unquestionable, I guess, sensible. Uh, what about you? Well, I have a not questionable gear purchase, not a purchase. Um, a manufacturer has sent me another piece of review equipment, and this is from Arturia. It's the Minifuse 4 audio interface. So I am using it right now to record the podcast, as we often do when we have new pieces of gear. So you can tell me what you think the sound is like. Let me give you some quick uh, rundown of the features. 
It's a portable bus-powered 4-in, 4-out USB-C audio interface. Has two mic slash instrument line combo preamps with phantom power. Two line instrument inputs. Two headphone outputs with independent volume controls. Two USB hub connections. Traditional 5-pin MIDI or DIN I.O. for synth drum machines and MIDI-enabled processors. A supplementary USB-A hub which reduces clutter, supporting any USB-A device up to 250 milliamps per port, one stereo virtual loopback channel for capturing computer audio, which is what I'm doing right now, uh, supports 44148 and 88.2, or all the way up to 192 kilohertz sample rate, and is fully USB-2 compatible. It also comes with a bunch of software, which was pretty cool. It comes with uh, Ableton Live, comes with Analog Lab Intro, um, the four, uh, the Arteria FX software suite, which has uh, some preamps, uh, a plate reverb, tape echo, and chorus effects, has Auto Tune uh, with a three-month subscription, guitar rig for uh, emulations and guitar effects, and a three-month free to splice subscription, which is samples and loops if you're doing any DJ work. So it's got a lot of really cool features. It does sound great. I've noticed almost no self noise whatsoever. And the, the input and I.O. is pretty cool. Like I said, I'm capturing the podcast right now. A couple of gripes with it. First of all, like most interfaces in this price range, uh, first of all, it's 219 retail. Uh, I'm looking at Sweetwater's site right now. 219, 219 U.S. dollars. Uh, so the, the preamps are tied to one phantom power switch. So it's not an issue for most microphones, but I, I, I learned old school to never have phantom power on a mic that doesn't need it, like if you're using a dynamic or especially a ribbon mic. So what I like to do is plug a condenser into one port, one input, and a dynamic into, into the other input. And in order to have phantom power on, it's going to put it through both channels, one and two, every time. That concerns me. I'm not using a terribly uh, fragile mic on the second input, but I still don't like having that phantom power going through it if I don't need to. Uh, Secondly, the USB hub only works if you use the power supply plugged into a traditional outlet. So Arteria does actually give you a power adapter with it, which is cool. But uh, in order to use that, that USB function as a hub, you have to have it powered up. And then the, the killer feature for me, or killer feature that's not there, is there doesn't seem to be a way to play back down the line from a DAW or really any effect on the computer over things like uh, Source Connect or IPDTL or, or even Zoom or Skype. So that's the killer feature that I think most interfaces are missing, and it's because it's such a niche for, for most people. But I cannot figure out a way to do that. I reached out to their support at Arteria, and they couldn't either. They do give you quite a, a, a robust mixer that comes with the, the, um, the unit. It's called Minifuse Control Center. It does allow you to control pretty much everything from the software, which which is a cool feature. So you can create custom mixes, you can create a cue mix uh, with and separate uh, headphone mixes, as well as change the inputs uh, virtually as well. So that is cool. But unless I'm missing it, and if Arturia, you're listening, you can give me some input on this. Unless I'm missing it, there doesn't seem to be a way to play back down the line over a conversing software. And I know that's a as a limitation of a lot of uh, mixers and interfaces. It's it's primarily the way most of these conversing softwares work. They only listen to channels one and two. 
and some only even listen to Channel 1. Now, I think we mentioned in one of the episodes that Zoom is looking at separating that out, and I don't think it's available yet. There might be a beta out there where you can tell Zoom which channel to listen back to or back from. But for the time being, they, all these conferencing websites and, and pieces of software that only listen to one and two, that's a limit of, of every mixer I've come across except for the Yamaha AGO 6 and AGO 3 that can play back down the line from a DAW. Yeah, and at that price range, I just don't think there's... I don't know of anything else. I feel like you have to go at least $500, maybe even 700 before you see that regularly. Yeah, and we've, we've reviewed some of those recently, like the, the Army Babyface. Uh, that, that can do that. The issue with those is that then it becomes much more than you need for most voice actors or even podcasters. Like, I don't mm-hmm. need everything as in total mix for RME's software package. In fact, it's, it's quite overwhelming for me. So it can be done, like you said, with a much more expensive mixer. I think the Apache Quartet can do it as well. But those are those mm-hmm. mixers that are way more than I need. I like having the two channels and still looking for that Goldie, Goldilocks interface. Maybe it is the Passport VO that George Whittem is developing with Sentrance. If that's the case, that, that mm-hmm. would be that killer feature that, that I need and I'm sure a lot of creators are looking for in a simple-to-use interface that's within the $300 range that can also stream. Mm-hmm. So let's go back to the mini fuse because I mean, for the price, it's still pretty competitive, and it 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 does it looks like it's well built. I love that it has two headphone outs, like that can be extremely useful, even for um, whether you have two people in the studio and you're and you're playing off of each other, or simply having a headphone at the desk and then one in the booth. Like well, that's, you're just that's talking what I use about it for right now. Yeah, t- I, I use it exactly mm-hmm. that way. I have one at the desk, one that runs down the down the hall of the room into the booth. And I love that it has individual headphone outs, too. That's great. I mean, a uh, uh, dial gain for it, too. Mm-hmm. Um, so back to the unit. Who would you recommend this for? Well, I'd recommend it for anyone who's starting out that only needs one or two inputs for voiceover. And, in fact, they have two other uh, two other um, units, the Minifuse 1 and Minifuse 2, that would work just as well. I do like the build. The knobs have great feel to them. Um, it's it's a great constructed unit. It's very portable. So the four, uh, does it have this, the actual size here? Let's see. I'm trying to see if, if I can get the, the measurements. Uh, it's not big at all. So it's like... Uh, mm-hmm. It looks very like it would just slip in like a laptop sleeve or something like that. Yeah, I can't get the measurements on it. But um, I would say seven inches long and like three and a half to four wide. So very portable. Um about the size of a small notebook. So like the size of a paperback book almost? Yeah, like. a paperback book is a good description. So much smaller than the AGO 6 I have sitting on the desk right next to it. It, <laughs> it would be really easy to slip into a, a laptop bag, or I could think I could probably even fit it into like a, a blazer inside pocket or you know a, wow. a, a suit coat <laughs> pocket. Yeah, almost like a really large portfolio. Uh, a little bit thicker than that, but it's very portable. So I'd recommend it to any voice actors who are looking at the Scarlet uh, any the Scarlet 2i2 or the 2i4, maybe even the 6i6. It's a little smaller than the 6i6. Uh, anyone who's looking mm-hmm. at any of the Steinberg entry-level interfaces like the UR12 or UR22, the Evo 4 from Audient, it's about the same size as those and sounds great. It's easy to use. I do really like the software, the mix control, uh, or sorry, mini, <laughs> mix control is a different company, the Minifuse Control Center, that allows you to control mm-hmm. everything you can do on the knobs inside 
inside the software because for me, like you were saying, I am one of those people that has all my editing and production outside the booth. So if I didn't have it that way, I have to run outside to change gain and change monitor levels on the headphones presently when I use the AG06. This I can do all inside the booth, and that is quite helpful. Awesome. And, and just looking at some of their other offerings, too, if the 4 is a little bit more than you need, they have a 1 and a 2 as well for $99 and $159. So I'm sure you can find something that meets your specific needs and your budget. Yeah, and I believe they all have that loopback feature. Uh, so if you, have, cool. if you have that need to capture something incoming, like maybe you're doing a podcast uh, and you don't necessarily need to play it back live, it would be perfect for that, even at that $99 uh, price point. Yeah. Lastly, just to to emphasize, these are some more advanced features that we benefit from based on the clients that we work with and what they ask for. But if you're just starting out or even if you're at that intermediate or advanced level, this might be all that you need. I know plenty of people who use a $100 to $200 interface as their primary interface and have never upgraded from it. Yeah. So thanks to Arturia for sending this to me. Uh, I will say, I hadn't necessarily heard of them before I stumbled onto it by looking at a Guitar Center ad. I think I got it in my email, and I said, ooh, that looks interesting. So I contacted them, and they sent it to me, and I've been really impressed with, with the sound quality and ease of use. So thanks, Arturia, for sending the Mini Fuse 4. Thanks, Arturia. So that wraps up our questionable gear purchases. We'll get to our interview with Nadia Marshall in just a minute after a message from our sponsors. Hey, Paul. Did you know Voice123, the largest online marketplace for voice actors, just celebrated its 20th year anniversary? Whoa, really? That's amazing. Doesn't really surprise me, though. I've used Voice123 since the beginning of my career. I remember way back in my first year where I booked a job as a hypnotist. I actually got to say, you are getting very sleepy on a radio ad. The whole thing was super easy. They even paid me right away for the audition and said that was all they needed. I've been a member of Voice123 for years as well. I've always enjoyed their upfront policies, ability to contact clients directly, and their commitment to the voiceover industry. Totally. CEO Rolf Veldman has appeared on the show before, and in every interaction I've had with him and the company, I've felt a sense of trust, like they really care. Well, if you want a great place to find your VO niche and find yourself as a voice actor, visit voice123.com for more information. Now, VO Meter listeners can also get 15% off premium tier memberships. For more information, visit our website and click on the Click Here to Save 15% banner on our sponsors page. Voice123, speak for yourself. Studio Bricks designs and creates the highest performing portable sound isolation booths. Their professionally perfected acoustics enhances your performance and takes your recording to their maximum quality from your home studio. Forget about managing noise conflicts with your neighbors and family. Pursue your passion for voiceover on your own time and on your own terms. How many times does this happen to you? You're listening to the radio when this commercial comes on. Not unlike this one, and this guy starts talking. Not unlike myself. Or maybe it's a woman that starts talking. Not unlike myself. And you think to yourself, geez, I could do that. Well, mister, well, missy, you just got one step closer to realizing your dream as a voiceover artist. Because now there's Global Voice Acting Academy. 
all the tools and straight-from-the-hip, honest information you need to get on a fast track to doing this commercial yourself. Well, not this one exactly. Classes, private coaching, webinars, home studio setup, marketing and branding help, members-only benefits like workouts, rate and negotiation advice, practice scripts, and more. All without the kind of hype you're listening to right now. Go ahead, take our jobs from us. We dare you. Speak for yourself, buddy. I like what I do. And you will, too, when you're learning your craft at Global Voice Acting Academy. Find us at globalvoiceacademy.com. Because you like to have fun. In these modern times, every business needs a website. When you need a website for your voice acting business, there's only one place to go. Like the name says, voiceactorwebsites.com. Their experience in this niche webmaster market gives them the ability to quickly and easily get you from concept to live online in a much shorter time. When you contact voiceactorwebsites.com, their team of experts and designers really get to know you and what your needs are. They work with you to highlight what you do. Then they create an easily navigable website for your potential clients to get the big picture of who you are and how your voice is the one for them. Plus, voiceactorwebsites.com has other great resources like their practice script library and other resources to help your voiceover career flourish. Don't try it yourself. Go with the pros. Voiceactorwebsites.com, where your VO website shouldn't be a pain in the you-know-what. Hi, everybody, and thank you for joining us for the interview portion of this episode. Our guest today is Nadia Marshall. Nadia is a voice actor and soprano singer and has been using her voice professionally for over 12 years. She has both a bachelor's and master's degree in vocal performance from Florida State University and The Ohio State University and has two minors in French and Italian language. Some of her clients include BMW, Lexus, Microsoft, Pandora, and Square. In addition to her voiceover business, she has developed a course called Lead Generation Blueprint. This course is designed for voice actors to help them gain confidence, efficiency, and ease with lead generation and find their dream clients. So please put your hands and voices together in welcoming Nadia Marshall. How you doing, Nadia? I'm doing well. Thank you both. Thanks so much for being here. It's a, it's a pleasure to have you. So as Sean mentioned, you are both a singer and a voiceover artist. Can you tell us how you got started in both? Sure. Uh, so with singing, I mean, you know, as a little kid, you, you sing all the time. But I think uh, I was a choir kid, definitely in, in high school. But there was a moment for me uh, that really solidified that I wanted to sing as part of a career. Uh, we had a choir trip to Austria, of all places. And we had a little 10-day tour. And we went to different cities. And one of the cities we went to was Salzburg. And there's this beautiful uh, cathedral over there. It's where Mozart was baptized, actually. And I don't know how we managed to to get this, but we were able to sing in the space. So we sang in the space and there was one piece where we had a little bit of a, like a solo trio on the choir. And so I remember I was singing something probably I shouldn't have been singing it because it was way too high. But at the time I thought I was so cool, but like, you know, <laughs> And I remember singing it and uh, seeing just the carvings on the dome. And there was like this incredible reverb with the acoustics. It was like a two and a half second delay, three second delay. It's crazy. And uh, yeah, that was like the moment I knew um, I wanted to sing for the rest of my life. So uh, that's kind of my origin story for that. In terms of voiceover, I met someone who was a 
Brazilian voiceover artist in an opera chorus of all places. We had kept in contact. After I finished my degree at Florida State University, we were still in contact and she reached out to me and she's like, you know, you should really consider voiceover as a career. I'm like, okay. And, you know, she really represented, I think, this incredible community of people with her generosity uh, with time. And she gave me some of her old equipment and she showed me how to get started. So it's really all due to Sumaira and her generosity uh, that got me started in voiceover. So... That's awesome. Great stories. I've actually been to that cathedral in Salt. Yes. So that is so oh, cool. Like, nice. man, what are the, for once, I have a Kevin Bacon moment. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I've heard this from various um, voice talent who are also singers, but mm -hmm. I'd love to hear from you. How do you think your singing experience helps with your VO performances? Yeah, I, I would wholeheartedly agree that it, it is something that is so informative of I think both inform the other but I think for especially for voiceover I feel very confident with my breath control I feel really confident with my vocal stamina I feel very confident with my vocal health for, for a health standpoint so if I'm doing these really long sessions like it's a long form narration or if I have to do say animation or video games I'm able to kind of manipulate my voice in such a way that is safe and I'm able to do it for long periods of time I think also just like, not just necessarily just singing, but I think musicianship as well. It's really, really helpful to kind of know that music and know that rhythm. I think it can be really, really helpful if you're reading any form of narration, be it audio books or uh, let's say e-learning, but sort of knowing when things, when to highlight things, when to kind of let things sort of move along or to kind of give more weight to something. I think that has also informed it. So yeah, I'd say it's it's been a really vital skill in order to make me feel very confident in my ability to produce, you know, what the client wants. I would totally agree. I, I've always thought that about musicianship as well. I'm a musician. I don't. Mm -hmm. I mean, I sing a little bit poorly. Anybody heard me at New Atlanta doing some karaoke? But um, <laughs> I played wind wind instruments my whole life, like since I was five years old. Because my nice. dad was a professional musician. I remember when I first started training with Sean Pratt, the first thing he said to me was, you're a musician, aren't you? And I said, yeah, how do you know? And he said he could tell I was reading ahead. He said that people who are mm -hmm. musicians and singers who know how to read music, they're always looking ahead, even subconsciously, because they, they want to see where the breaks are in the, in the music. They know when they have a break for, for another instrument and they have some measures of rest. And he says that everyone he's worked with that's a musician does that in, in, instinctively. And it's mm -hmm. actually kind of a problem because you you sometimes get too far ahead. Like your mind doesn't catch up because you're reading something and you're not actually performing it because your your mind is looking ahead three or four lines. You're so no longer in the present, you're in the future. Yeah, <laughs> so something I had to train myself out of a bit actually. So Time it's a bit of a detriment. Yeah. <laughs> but I think in general, I think you're right. The musicality certainly helps with knowing the flow and, and the way a, a, a video script should go. Yeah, I love how you touched on sort of both the mechanical benefits, like the, the stamina and the confidence, as well as the expressive ones, like the timing and the, and the emphasis and, and the flow of, of your phrases, for example. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, they, it, you kind of need both, right? Because we are creatives, but at the end of the day, this is our livelihood and this is our job. So vocal health is so incredibly important. I'm very, very thankful with my studies um, even in a little bit of pedagogy and I have like a singing health specialization certificate that I know the dangers of what can happen when you aren't careful with your voice. And I'm, I'm glad more people are talking about that, even at different conferences and things, 
because, you know, this is our livelihood and we have to take care of it. So knowing kind of the the mechanics behind it and how to be safe and how to speak on the breath all the time. Or if the client is asking me to do, say, a job in like a slightly more vocal fry-esque position, I can do it safely for a short period of time to give them what they want, but then not like lose my voice for the rest of the day. So yeah, it's it's definitely been very helpful. Yeah, so Brilliant. important. So we mentioned how you got started both in singing and voiceover. What were the, the biggest challenges you had making the jump from singing to voiceover? Mm. So I feel like in terms of a challenge, you don't know what you don't know. So I think obviously at the beginning, I, for most people who are just getting started in the voiceover industry, I think it was just like, well, all right, how do I do this, you know, I think I, I feel I felt confident with the acting side of things. I felt confident with the vocal production side of things. But it was like, well, how do I get the work? You know, I think that's ultimately the hardest thing at the at the start. I think hardest thing for most people, but I actually felt another added benefit, I think, to being a singer, too, was the amount of rejection you get every day <laughs> <laughs> that, you know, obviously being an opera singer, I'm like, it's a normal Tuesday. So we call uh, rejection letters, especially if we get them from, say, opera companies or things, we call them PFOs or please F offs. So <laughs> I'm used to getting lots of PFOs. I like that. So I, I was pretty used to the rejection. So I was like, eh, I'm not deterred by that. You know, this is a marathon, not a sprint. But I think it was mostly just, all right, well, where do I find the work? You know, that was the, probably the biggest challenge, not the easiest challenge, the biggest challenge. Brilliant. Yeah. And, and I love that you talked about it because this, this job is definitely not for the faint of heart or the rejection mm. sensitive, for sure. As I yes. like to joke, we, as someone who's rejected daily, I've got a bit of a thick skin at this point. So oh, right. It's just, right. It, it's just part and parcel for the course. So, so that was the biggest challenge getting started. What about right now? Huh. I'd say right now, it's a little bit of, so I'm really trying to break into the documentary sector. And I feel like sometimes it's who you know, or sometimes it's like being very perfectly placed at just the right time to get someone's attention. Or it has to be a union, you know, job that, you know, obviously with certain current events that are happening in the world, uh, that, that's a little bit difficult to try and to try and navigate. But I think sometimes it's just being at the right place at the right time and you put in the reps, but, you know, you can't always tell when that is. So that's probably the biggest challenge is just trying to break into the documentary sector. Yeah, I've moment. heard that one is notoriously difficult to, to find mm. any kind of avenue in. It, it's, right. So good on you. Yeah, I kind of feel like that describes the whole industry, though, really. I, I would mm. say at least three quarters of my jobs just happen to be that's what they were looking for at that particular time or I happen to have a referral from somebody and I feel like that's kind of part and parcel for the industry as a whole but again I totally get what you're saying so speaking of genres what are your primary genres that you do currently work in what do you do mostly so most of the time I'm working on lots of like non-broadcast narration specifically explainer or e-learning and uh, and then of course like more broadcasts like commercial and then surprisingly this year I've the majority of my work has been video games which is something I've been wanting to do a lot more of so I'm very very thankful for that and actually medical narration has picked up a little bit which was another genre I really wanted to start getting into so manifestation works guys just just saying 
Well, hopefully manifesting on this podcast will help you break into your, yes, your dream genre. <laughs> Next month, Nadia is in National Geographic, the rising star. But anyway, <laughs> that's, that's great advice. Absolutely great advice. You mentioned in your bio that you're actually trilingual. Uh, do you <laughs> do voiceover in, uh, in French and Italian as well? And, and how has this, your polyglotness, been a benefit to your career? <laughs> so... Uh... I have done some work in French and Italian language, yes, but I I try to be very strategic as to when to put it. Uh, I, I'd say more so I do a lot more accent work than I do. I have done some with French and Italian language, but it, they have to be very small scripts because if it's anything that's like several pages long, like a long form narration, I will uh, recommend a different voice actor who I know like grew up with that language. I would feel more comfortable giving it to them. But I'd say having the language, the love of language and studying language has been very advantageous for audio guides specifically, which I really enjoy doing because you just you feel like you're on vacation and you don't even have to mm -hmm. leave your house because <laughs> you're narrating the museum or you're on the walking tour. So that's been very helpful. But actually, I'd say um, my accents have been the most advantageous. So I'm I'm. Uh, of American and British citizenship, and I'm of British and Indian heritage. So I do uh, American, British, and Indian accents for work all the time. And I'd say that is the most uh, advantageous for getting me, whether it's character work or it is work with international clients who want kind of this global sound. Mm. That's probably um, the most helpful thing in my in my toolbox for sure. Brilliant. No, I'm, I'm telling people all the time, the easiest way to understand the accent is to understand the language itself, because yes. then you, you're familiar with what, what you call the vocal track posture or how you have to position your mouth to make these sounds. And if I have to do a, a voiceover, say, like Italian accented English or French accented English, I can I feel more comfortable doing that because I understand the language pretty well. And people who are from there, you know, say to me, yeah, you sound like you're from this region or you sound like you're from here. Obviously, I've done the work and I've checked in with accent coaches and things to just make sure, but I feel more comfortable doing English with that rather than like very heavy jargon or very specific uh, words and things that are maybe like if we're talking about, say, um, battery replacement in Italian, I'm not going to know that that lingo. So I, I would feel more comfortable giving that to a to a native person who probably knows a little more than I would uh, in that regard. Makes sense. So shifting gears a bit, we again, we talked about in your bio. Thank you for saying that, by the way. We'd be lost without it, it seems. Uh, <laughs> you mentioned uh, another... I guess it's not really, I guess it's a vertical market. I was going to say a horizontal market, but the lead generation blueprint that you've started. Tell us about that and how that came about. Sure. So uh, this is a course that I have developed. Uh, this one is purely for voice actors, but I'll, I'll have one that's more for all kinds of freelancers um, soon. But I noticed whenever I would listen to different podcasts or I would see different conferences or different speakers present like masterclasses or workshops, the topic of lead generation would always come up. And I, I felt like no one was talking about it yet or no one was really providing a resource to talk about it. Like people would mention, oh yeah, you have to have lead generation. Or they'd say, yeah, hire a lead generator. But then you're like, well, what if I'm still at the beginning sides of things where I don't have a lead generator, but I have to find leads on my own. How can I make that faster? How can I make that more efficient? How can I 
find even more leads rather than just the same old Google search I've been doing for the past you know couple of months. So I noticed that there was clearly a need there. And at the time I was with my accountability group, my mastermind group. And as I kept talking about it and how it was bugging me, every single person was like, uh, hello, there's your answer. Like you should just make a course. I'm like, are you sure? You know, they're like, you know, this is the time, this is the time. So I was in the process of creating a course and I mentioned it to, uh, JMC and JMC and Anna were very kind enough to say, you know, um, if you'd want to apply to be a speaker at the Atlanta for because they had the speaker submissions um, Mm -hmm. thing for for Atlanta for 2023, I didn't get a spot. But they said, you know, if you'd like, you can get a spot for one voice. And I said, sign me up like I'll, I'll, I'll do it. I'll do it. So I'm scheduled to speak at one voice about it, too. But I feel like it's such a resource that everyone needs right now because it's just going to keep your business growing. You know, we have casting sites and we have agents, but ultimately you can still find work and have a pretty good career finding your own clients yourself. So, you know, there is there is a need and there is a market for it. And if I can make it tailored to voice actors, specifically giving them access to unconventional methods rather than just the same old search engine method, you know, it can... Um, I want everyone to get plenty of work because there's plenty of work out there. So, so can you give us a sneak peek? I don't want you to give away all the secrets either from your presentation or from the business <laughs> itself, but what are some of the, the highlights? Sure. So there are six modules in total, and it is a video, video presentation. So I kind of give you some breakdowns of, let's say, we're focusing on just search engines. So I break down Boolean searching, but then I go into the really advanced techniques of Boolean searching, um, you know, probably tools and methods that most people don't think about unless they've done extensive amounts of research. And then I move on to LinkedIn. I focus just on LinkedIn and I show you all the different ways you can use the search filter and uh, whether it's LinkedIn groups and pages and things like that. Uh, I go into each uh, social media platform. I feel like the big six, for lack of a better term, to, to really hone in on each one and show you examples on each one of how to find leads. And then some unconventional methods like IMDb or searching via other conferences or awards. Um, so I go into great detail for all of those and some tools I recommend as well. Fantastic. I was like, where is this course? Must have. <laughs> <laughs> so switching gears to gear, we'd love to hear about what kind of home studio setup you have. Uh, first of all, great segue. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so my studio is, uh, I have a vocal booth to go studio. So I have one of the kind of tent structures. Uh Every time I'm on a video call with a client, they say it looks like I'm in a spaceship. So I call (laughs) it my little spaceship. And I have a monitor in my booth. My laptop is outside of the booth. I have a Sennheiser 416. I have a um, U87 Tribute and a Rode NTG5. I am using a Focusrite Scarlett. I use Adobe Audition. And of course, you have to be equipped with I, um, IPTTL. I almost said IMDb, <laughs> IPTTL, and uh, Source Connect standard. So that's my that's my studio. Is the Vocal Booth to go one of the soundproofer ones, or just the um, just the standard uh, blankets? Yes, the blankets. Mm-hmm. Okay, wow. And I great. oh, I also I have a I did splurge on a very nice ergonomic chair for my back. Um, 
because, you know, uh, for a couple of years, I was literally just sitting on the floor for like <laughs> two hour sessions. I'm like, oh, yeah, no. you can't do that anymore. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's oh, awesome. studio sounds fantastic. So I was curious about the chair because I'm in the market for one. Ooh, and- <laughs> mm-hmm. I have a, a Herman Herman Miller chair. I can oh, send you the man. information. It's a nice one. I did go. I waited for a sale because they are a bit expensive, but it was well worth the purchase. Yeah, yeah. For those who don't know, um, let's see. The the Herman Miller usually the Aeron is like their most affordable yeah. one, and that one's still like seven to eight hundred new. So I yeah. highly recommend going like refurbished or secondhand or or getting a deal like Nadia did. But yeah. uh, what Paul was saying, and I totally agree. Your studio sounds fantastic, and I love that not everything's like the most expensive things you can use, like say the Scarlet, or just having more of a like the the acoustical booth versus say like a studio bricks. But it sounds amazing. Thank you. Yeah, I I one hundred percent agree. I think there's this sort of fear I think that we have to have every everything in alignment or everything has to be in place before we can like start recording. That. I started with this kind of setup. I mean, obviously I've improved it over the years, but you know, I'm I'm waiting until it's time to get a studio bricks, but I'm like I'm making good money now with this setup and I don't have to, you know, the money I would be using quote unquote for a studio bit bricks, I'm going to instead use it towards investing in other things like if it's a new demo or if it's a new um, you know, maybe a conference ticket or whatever it is that I feel like it's worth it. You know, you can still have pretty good sound if you have like an audio engineer you trust and uh, work with them and utilize your space to the best of its ability. Yeah, if it ain't broke, don't fix it, says the mm-hmm. guy who's bought like 700 microphones. but And is constantly <laughs> fiddling with his studio. <laughs> but I haven't, I haven't switched out anything in over a year, I'll have you know, and the audience. But um, yeah, it definitely makes sense to, to stick with what works because even if you buy something, it's going, it's going to take work. Uh, studio mm-hmm. Bricks, the one I have, is one of the original Studio, uh, studio Brick ones. And I had to do a ton of work to... To get it to sound right acoustically, I don't think they would argue that that was a necessity. That's why they've actually changed the foam inside that ships with the new models. That mm. I understand is quite improved. But anything you put in your space is going to have to be tweaked a little bit, and of it'll course. take you a while to get to where you were. Probably doing fine, booking work. <laughs> right, right, exactly. And I mean, there there's so many people who have courses or who have different resources, or you can contact that. That, that's literally what they do for a living is they they help optimize your space that, you know, the amount of money you would spend maybe on a studio bricks, you could spend even like a quarter of that just to optimize your space with that person and, you know, getting the mics or whatever it is to to really, you know, get started and, and make money and get your business on the ground. Exactly. So. And it's it's really about not letting temptation and desperation and FOMO impact your purchasing decisions. That's it. It's FOMO. It really is. Yeah, and by the so, way, thank you for the segue. One of those services you can take advantage of is georgethe.tech, where Paul is also a team member. So just go to george.thetech, georgethe.tech, and book a session with one of our engineers, possibly me, and we can help you set up your space. Yeah, honestly, that is one of the best investments that you can make in your home studio because no individual piece of gear is going to make your career. Yep. So, unfortunately, I don't have as good a segue for the next section, but <laughs> I'm curious, what do you see as the future of VO? Like, what, do you think AI will take over some or even all of the work? I, yeah, this is, a, this is definitely a hot topic. I mean, I think I'm, I'm not an 
as an expert or I'm not as in the know with every single thing that's going on, like some of our industry leaders, but from someone who has studied the history of the voice, of the human voice, the human voice has been studied for eons, and it's something that we still are figuring out even more about, that I think AI is... Obviously, it's 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 impressive and technology is impressive, but it cannot replicate the human voice. And there are so many nuances and so many personality things that AI still hasn't quite figured out yet. And I think we'll be fine for a good period of time. I would agree with some statements that have been said that I, I think AI will take over the not so great budget work, like the work that might be the cheapest out of all of the options available or the ones that maybe are near impossible for a human to complete. If like there are these examples where, oh, we want you to read the entire version of the the Washington Post by tomorrow morning and you have a less than eight hour time window and you would be sleeping, you know, an AI voice can achieve that compared to a human voice. So uh, I, I think it will take some of the smaller work that for someone who obviously is serious about voiceover and is making this their career, I don't think they have anything to fear. I think for those people who are hobbyists or for those people who are like, oh, yeah, I can make a quick buck on the side, it will be more competitive for them because it is more cost effective from the voice buyer sense to be like, well, why do I have to pay somebody when I can literally have this thing make it for me? Mm-hmm. I think, obviously, with, with the strike and everything that's happening right now, human creativity is something that cannot be replaced and is so unique to this world that I, I really don't think the high the higher quality voiceover work will still be available because we are high quality and we know our worth and we have put the time and the energy that unfortunately AI just doesn't have the life experience that human beings have. So the smaller work will be gone, but I think if you're in this for the long haul, you'll be fine. I mean, honestly, that could be a good thing. A lot of the high demand, low paying jobs that most people probably don't want to do anyways, I wouldn't (laughs) mind saying goodbye to those. Right. But I love your perspective. I love the positivity and just the the unique idea that we don't even understand the voice well enough to replicate it at this point, at least not in, in a compelling, creative way. Yeah, because every every human being, every facial structure, every uh, language studied, every accent heard indi- indicates and further makes the voice the voice. Even if you put two people that are identical twins in the same, you know, space to grow up in, they may go off and have, even if it's one differing thing, they could probably sound different and they probably will sound different. So you cannot fully replicate a human voice through a machine yet. I mean, I think we're still quite a bit away from that happening. So I think it's a little bit of fear mongering at this current Mm-hmm. point that um, I think I think we'll be okay. We'll be okay. I agree. So talking about uh, how it might be more competitive for someone who's just getting started or dabbling in VO, <laughs> what would you recommend just in general to anyone who's starting out in voiceover to 
get to where you are in, in your career path? I think uh, Sean kind of mentioned it in the beginning that there's nothing more valuable um, in your business than investing in the fact that you should have a well-treated space. I think too many people try to jump into like, well, I can do character voices or what I can do these impressions and they don't worry about the quality of their of their studio. So first things first, really hone down on your studio quality. And then depending on your background, every single individual is different. But if you have acting training or if you have improv training, you have some sort of vocal training, fabulous. Keep that up and start investigating you know, okay, what are some free resources that are out there like this podcast? What are some podcasts that you can listen to to get that free information? What are some blogs you can read? And, you know, the internet's pretty incredible in that regard that we can find lots of things that we're looking for. So start to start to gain more knowledge. And I know it's obviously in the beginning when you don't know anybody, you don't know anybody, but the voiceover community is one of the most kind and supportive communities out there that don't be afraid to ask. You know, someone someone can point you in the right direction. I mean, it's it's such a privilege to have such an artistic and creative community that is not afraid to answer those questions or is not a gatekeeping, you know what I mean? Like it, it's just so nice to have people that are willing to help. So get your studio set up, research online, find some podcasts or some blogs, and then reach out and ask them for some questions and you'll be pointed in the right direction. Excellent advice. I mean, I can't tell you as someone who used to, like who started using a little foam box and that caused no shortage of neck and back problems for me, like your space and in, in having a place that you can be comfortable and confident in just has such a positive impact on your performances. So don't like so always be considering it as as you're growing your performance abilities like where are you going to do this stuff mm -hmm. thank you so much for being with us today nadia where can folks find out more about your voice work or hire you sure so if you would like to find out more about my work you can find my website voicesbynadia.com or you can find me on social media on all platforms i am at voicesbynadia and that's where you can find my email, my phone number, and we can get in contact. Nadia, thanks so much for being here. Unfortunately, I will not see you at One Voice. I can't go this year, no. but <laughs> hope to see you again in person pretty soon. Absolutely. Thank you both so much. Our pleasure. Have a great day, Nadia. You too. Walgreens, because it's flu season, and you live in a place with doorknobs and handrails and, you know, people. We tried booking a vacation rental on one of those other websites. They don't always tell you everything. The stars take it to the red carpet. We are back live from the red carpet. California leads the way for change in America, and so does Kamala Harris. Rated M for Mature. Claire Redfield. And who exactly are you? So, yeah, what hashtag should I use to describe a grown man in a tuxedo wrestling a goat? And prior to 1933, many of them belonged to a variety of political parties that were now outlawed in Germany. This is the story of how Q got curly. Quinn was crazy about curls. Curly fries, curly straws, curly-haired dogs. Hey, Jay Michael here. Thanks for listening to the VO Meter podcast. It's one of my favorites. If you're looking for a great demo like the ones you just heard, check out jmcdemos.com for more information. All right, thanks to Nadia for coming on the show. 
This is one of those people who actually reached out to me and asked to be on the show. I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I, I'm just always surprised when it happens. So, <laughs> uh, thanks, Nadia. Makes for, us feel so legit. And it was even in person. Like she mentioned it at uh, at View Atlanta, and I was like, yes, yes, absolutely, come on the show. So, thanks so much, Nadia. It was a pleasure, and good luck with uh, with your business. Yeah, thanks so much, Nadia. We loved having you on the podcast. So that wraps up this episode of the VO Meter. Measuring your voiceover progress. Coming up, we're efforting scheduling with voice actor from Canada, Matt Calrick, who's also one of my idols from the original VoiceOver Cafe podcast and friends of Sean as well, right? Yeah, if you look on Facebook, you can find a, a dueling Gandalfs singing. <laughs> oh, oh, God, it was... Um... Don't go breaking my heart. Like we ran into each other at um, at Vo, VO North, North right? yeah, in Toronto. That. <laughs> That's right. And so just like, don't go breaking my heart. I wouldn't if I tried. Kind of things. <laughs> it's really fun. Yeah, that was a great video. Definitely check that out. So stay tuned for those. You'll hear us in the next one. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Vo Meter. To follow along, visit us at www.vometer.com. We'd also love to hear your comments or suggestions for the show. Or if you have a questionable gear purchase, tell us all about it on our Facebook page or on Twitter at the VO Meter. <laughs>